Welcome to the Red Diamond Report podcast. I'm your host, Wilson Jackson, and I have another exciting episode for you. I sat down with Jeff Lightsey Jr., a sports reporter and host for 35KY Sports Show in Victory Formation in Louisville, Kentucky. While Jeff honed his journalism skills at Western Kentucky, he was immersed in sports as a child and started finding interest in journalism in high school while doing blogs on athletes close to him. From those beginnings, Jeff now highlights and weighs in on Louisville sports, HBCU sports, and the latest national headlines in sports. Sit back and get ready to listen as he discusses his journey into sports journalism, how his late grandmother piqued his interest in basketball, why the Nuggets will win the 2023 NBA Finals, HBCU culture, along with his top five HBCU marching bands, and more. This is the Red Diamond Report Podcast. Let's get it. Welcome to the Red Diamond Report podcast with your host, Wilson Jackson. And today we have another great guest by the name of Jeff Lightsey Jr., phenomenal guy. Uh, met Jeff, we met we met covering Jackson State and HBCU, yeah. pretty much HBCU land, like, you know, in that particular regard, met along the sidelines. Uh, never since we've been kind of connected. So I'm, I'm glad to have you on the show today. Man, I appreciate it, Wilton, man. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Yeah, man, this is. It's pretty cool to be on your podcast, so I appreciate it. Well, Jeff, you know, before we get started, tell the listeners a little bit about who you are and, and what you do. Cover a lot of uh, HBCU football, mainly, mainly SWAT. But I do mix in, mix and mingle with the MEAC too. Got a few MEAC coaches on my show, so I do that online. And then during the day, I also host a radio show on weekends. I cover the University of Louisville, so University of Louisville football, basketball, women's basketball, uh, and all that stuff, man. And, and in between there. I, I, I try to get in the gym. I try to do some fun stuff, but I've been in this journalism broadcasting stuff, man, since like 2012, you know, I was, since I was like junior high school. So just really been running with this stuff. Always knew what I wanted to do and I'm just doing it though. Jeff, I want to ask this and you, and you, like I said, you just alluded to it. How did you, what you knew what you wanted to do? Um, walk me through that process in terms of like when you kind of got into like the, the one thing that you really liked about broadcast journalism. Yeah, man. So, like, growing up, I, I used to, like, <laughs> my friends, uh, you know, before, well, you, you're probably around my age, so you remember the days of, like, not having an iPhone, right? Like, I, like everybody having an iPhone, like, Absolutely. You, Google, you could just look, yeah, you could just Google and look everything up. Like, there's barbershop debates, and then they get settled really quick, because you could just Google it, right? So, right. so what I, when I was younger, I took pride in knowing things. And like correcting people when they were wrong when it came to sports takes, right? Like somebody say, oh, Michael Jordan missed two full years when he played baseball or was out two full years. Like, no, he actually came back that second year. And, you know, like correcting people and lost to the Magic in the playoffs. No, he didn't. Right. And then like, and then they were like, oh, well, dang, he actually did. You know, a little stuff like that. So that, when I was able to do stuff like that and I would watch SportsCenter and watch guys like Stuart Scott and Jay Harris on TV and then eventually like Stephen A and stuff, I was like, yo, man, it would be really dope to go to basketball games or go to football games and like get paid for it. Like these dudes go to games and get paid to talk about, write about, cover, whatever those games. It's like, yeah, why wouldn't I want to 
do that. I do this stuff. I, I'm going to watch the games for free anyway. So why right. wouldn't I just get paid to watch the games? So that's exactly. when I really took a keen into that, dog. And then, like, my, my grandmother, my late grandmother, was really into NBA basketball. And so I knew I would, like, impress her with, like, little NBA stats and little stuff like that. So I always knew what I wanted to do. And then it was about uh, making it happen. So when I was in high school, I kind of like I played sports, but I knew it. Like I'm, I'm you know, well, I'm, I'm five foot five, bro. I'm five foot I, four. I, I always knew I wasn't gonna play. Thing. Yeah, bro. I, I knew I wasn't gonna play. Like at one point, I wanted to play college football, but then I was like, yo, dog, I'm not even gonna play college football. Like this thing, this sports thing, is gonna end here in high school. So I started to like do these blog posts this is when the blog ever was still a really big thing and i used to do these blog posts about like the stars in my area like at football right so i would like hit them up like i was always a cool dude so i would be cool with them sometimes even if they went to rival schools and i'd be like yo you know what i'm saying like i'm so and so like you mind if i do like a report on you like a like a write a blog about your stats and use your stats and your stuff from your sophomore junior senior year and things like that and and really, it started with my cousin because he wasn't getting recruited like he felt like he should. And so it was like, yo, I can make this blog post, you know, push your highlight tape to different coaches and email it out. And it worked. Like, he started getting interest. And I'm like, yo. And, like, word of mouth spread. Like, yo, my cousin writes blog reports about under-recruited people or even guys that are being recruited. And it just it was a cool thing to be like, yo, I got an article on this little blog website by this dude that's a senior over at male high school but it's like the dopest thing ever because facebook right. was yeah. really popping at that time and, and so they could facebook it and send it to their mom and their mom's friends and they could post it so that's when i really got a first taste into like like not not to say i was a star but people knew who i was because i was the dude writing posts i was the only person doing it and then right. from there i graduated to youtube you know, I started to like, obviously there was a, there was the time where people, which is like 2012, around 2012, 2013, people were like really going viral, like on YouTube doing just stuff. So I was like, yo, why don't I just post YouTube videos of me talking about not like these high schoolers, but like the national stuff, like do what Stephen A and Skip were doing every day on TV. I started doing that and that was getting a little bit of traction, not nothing crazy, but it caught the attention of one of my mentors named Dr. Boyce Watkins. Now, Dr. Boyce Watkins was really big in the internet space. Like he was already, like he had Your Black World, which was like one of the biggest independent black websites in the country, right? Like he was going on CNN and Fox News and stuff because he was a professor at Syracuse at the time. And then he had the Black Business School. So he was like really, really big on the internet already. And he would see my stuff because him and my mom ironically went to high school and college together. So they go to high school and college together. He sees my stuff because my mom, being a proud mom, just posts all my stuff. But he actually is like, yo, this is dope. He's like, yo, this is actually really good. Like, I want to get into, he's more of an educator, a finance guy, but he wanted to get into the sports world. And But he didn't watching game. Man. So he's like, yo, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll shoot you a couple of dollars or whatever every time, you know, you, you can do this. And I was like, yo, Dr. Boyce, like, I, I like writing, like, I'm good with the blog stuff, but I think this YouTube stuff is really going, like, it's weird stuff. I mean, he was like, oh, okay, you know, but we make a lot of money writing blogs here, so I need 250 words, you know what I mean? Like, you can do the video as a bonus, but, like, we need those words, and it's, it's crazy, like, now, looking back on that, like, this is, like, like blogs almost no longer exist. <laughs> it's all videos, right? It's all videos, so that's how I got like my first taste of in with with 
him posting my stuff, you know, my, especially YouTube or even the blog post, I was going from getting like 50, 100 views, 200 views was like a big thing, whether it was on the blog or on the videos, to like 2,000 views, 5,000 views, like 10,000, 20,000 if it was a big enough post. I was like, whoa, okay. I, I never seen the numbers like this. Now it's people like across the country reach to me, like they go to get on like their platform or whatever because of Dr. Voice. And so that's what's slowly but surely developed into what I do now. I owe a lot of it to him, man. He, he helped me put, put me on a platform that, I, you know, I feel like I eventually would have got there, but it kind of expedited yeah. the process. So that helped a whole lot. You said that your grand, your late grandmother, uh, kind of helped you or navigated you through the process of sports. Like, what were some of the earliest things that you guys kind of had a, a connection with as far as, like, from a sports perspective? When it came to sports, man, she loved basketball. Like, uh, I was a big – I my, my favorite basketball player ever is Kobe Bryant, right? And my granny loved Shaq. <laughs> oh, wow. So, like, like, my granny wow. loved Shaq, man. She loved Shaq. She loved Shaq and Michael Jordan. And I love Kobe. And so, like, mm-hmm. Michael Jordan was the guy who used to always Kobe's better than Michael Jordan. He's not. But I, that's what I thought. He's my guy. And then Shaq, yeah. he, he, you know, Kobe and him had a beef. So it was like, come on, Granny. Like, you on the, you, you riding with the, the wrong team, man. Like, we used to, like, you know what I mean? Like, come on. Man. Like, you're not seeing the light. And then when Shaq yeah. won that championship with the Heat, it was hard. Because, like, he's in, man, I'm telling you, he's better than Kobe. Like, he went in with the young boy, which was D-Wade at the time. You know what exactly. I mean? so, Exactly. And Kobe came back, won the championship. So it was it was beautiful to watch like be basketball games over my granny's house. Or like one vivid memory I have is watching uh because we didn't always watch a lot of college games, but we watched the the national championship between Kansas and, and Memphis. I was there at her house watching the game. When, 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 you know, yeah, when he hit the shot, when Chalmers hit the shot, it was like, oh my God, like I remember exactly where I was at. Where I was. so it was like those things that I like hold dearly because she was really into basketball. She didn't know every player. She didn't know everything that was going on, but she knew the game and she knew she enjoyed watching the game. And her biggest reason for watching it, she, that's why she loved Michael Jordan so much, is because of Michael Jordan. And so, like, I had a, a found respect, obviously, for Michael Jordan, obviously, for the game of basketball. You mentioned, um, you said that Kobe was your favorite player growing up. And obviously, yeah. you know, right now, we now know who's going to be playing in the NBA Finals. We have, we're going to have the Nuggets and we're going to have the Heat. And I can remember, you know, overhearing some conversations about the play of Jimmy Butler in this playoff, in this this postseason period. Could you potentially compare what he's doing in this postseason to the likely the like the likeness of, you know, Kobe's, you know, mama mentality? Absolutely, man. Jimmy Butler exudes that just as a player. We, we see all the time because uh, there's some young guys in the league right now that, like, have great adoration for Kobe. You got Devin Booker, Jason Tatum. Like, they go – they make it – you know, they really let the world know that Kobe's their guy. Kobe talked to them. He was my or their favorite player or whatever. But their their styles, their personalities, doesn't, to me, doesn't really fit that Mamba mentality, it's not a – them are great players. They're, you know, all NBA players, all stars, all that. But Jimmy right. Butler, he has never come out and said, yo, Kobe's my guy, Jordan's my guy. But he he most exudes that out of any player in the NBA. Just based right. off his mentality when he talks about the game, the way he talks about the game, 
and then what it took for him to get to the league. Like Jimmy Butler, one never won. Like he never wanted to play in the NBA. I don't know how much you know about the Jimmy Butler story. Oh, but dude oh, was kicked out of the house. Like dude they're had to go to JUCO. Yeah, like you know what I mean. Like went to JUCO. Like his thing with JUCO was like, yo, just to get a scholarship. Like he was happy with just getting a scholarship and playing college basketball. But then to get you know go in the first round of the league and to really take the you know take the league by storm from a non-traditional college in a non-traditional way with the non-traditional cast of characters in Miami. I mean, outside of Bam, with Hero being hurt, you're playing a bunch of guys who are undrafted. And no one the way he's done it. Yeah, no, I was just I was just gonna add to your point. No, I don't think anybody thought that this Miami team that we're watching now unfold. We none of us thought in the beginning of the playoffs that it would be this way. Not at all, man. And then, like, they want to discredit the bubble so bad because of LeBron or whatever. But Jimmy got the right. same, you know, got the same heat, the same team to the championship then. And all he does now as an eight seed after losing a playing game, as right. or as an eight seed, taking him all the way to the finals, you know, beating the one seed with Giannis. Now Giannis, oh, he missed a game or two. Yeah, but he played at the end, and they still took care of business. Then you take care exactly. of business against the higher-seeded Knicks. And then you take care of business against the higher seeded, what everybody's telling me, the better team, more talented team in Boston. And it's all based off the fact that they have Jimmy Butler. Now, don't get me wrong. The other guys, Caleb Martin, Strews, Gabe Vincent, those guys stepped up. Like, they played great. They didn't. They haven't been playing like undrafted guys. But this right. thing, you know, starts and ends with Jimmy Butler. And that's what's uh, beautiful to see. Bam, obviously, is playing well. But this thing starts and ends with Jimmy Butler. You take Jimmy Butler off this team, we're talking about a team that would have been in the uh, Wimby sweepstakes, right? Like, so instead of that, they're going to the finals. So that's like, yo, that's that says a lot about him, and he definitely exudes that Mamba mentality, man. That's why, like, people – just like Kobe, just Kobe's more talented, uh, they say, you know, he rubs some people the wrong way. That's what got him out of – you know, got him out of Philly, got him out of Minnesota because he would rub people the wrong way. But the thing with Jimmy is like, yo, you get paid to be in this league. You get paid handsomely to be in this league. So the least you can do is show the game some appreciation. The least you can do is, is show up to work in shape, on time, Pete looking to win. And with some of those teams in Minnesota, Cat, you know, he got heads with Cat and Andrew Wiggins. In Philly, it was Ben Simmons. And, and they say he wore out his welcome. But part of that is because, you know, those teams or some of those players or whatever, you know, they was cool with just cashing a check. They didn't really think like, oh, we're the Timberwolves. We can't really compete. Or, oh, we're the, you know, we're the the Sixers or whatever. Uh, we'll, we'll compete when, when Ben is ready. Jimmy's like, no, we can compete right now. And I can prove most you can still win. And he's proving that right in my how do you gauge Miami's chances of, of potentially playing against Denver? Because this is a Denver team, man, like that, you know, for, for people who really watch basketball. And when I say this like this, I mean, like, because some people have this, this, this notion of, well, Denver plays in, a, in a, a market that doesn't get seen a lot on TV and we don't get a chance to see Jokic like that. But I think for real basketball fans, if, if you're a fan of the game, like these last two seasons of him winning MVPs, like, this, this season shouldn't have been your first season watching Nikola Jokic, in my opinion. But for some, it is. So considering that, this, this you know, I'm not going to even lie. I'm glad that Miami came out and, you know, defeated Boston in the, in the conference finals. I predicted them to win game seven. 
But I'm not going to lie, Jeff. They're getting a very well-rested Denver team. Very well-rested. And, and, so, and more so than well-rested. I mean, this team could be playing off one day's rest. This is a good team. Like a good, complete team, man. And like you said, Yoke is not a two-time MVP for no reason. I mean, this right. dude is good. Like, he is really, really good. And when he is as good as he is, right, and you got your second guy. Like, I don't know if you saw Murray's stat line from the, oh, yeah. the conference finals. He averaged 30 a game on 50-50-90 or 50-40-90. And he was the second guy. Like, you know what yeah. I'm saying? So this is a really good team that runs that pick and roll to perfection. Oh. Jokic just seems to always – the Joker always just seems to make the right play at the right time. And this sounds silly when I say this because I love talking about this. But one thing about – uh, the Joker and Murray, they make shots they're supposed to make. Now, that sounds so simple, right? Like, of course they make yep. – no, I'm talking about, like, anything around the rim, he's not missing. Like, those little putbacks, those little one-hand floaters, and then the shots yep. that he's not supposed to make. He makes a lot of those, too. Those behind-the-back, yep. one-leg threes, like, oh, my God. And it, we saw a lot of that from Jokic in that last series. Yeah, so it's like, yo – like, even when we're like, yo, AD played a perfect game, like, the Joker still finished with, like, 37-15. You know what I mean? Still finished with whatever. And then if you go to series before, against it took Devin Booker to just play out of his mind to win two of those games. And even in those losses, one of them, Joker had 53 points. You know what I mean? Like, he still was just going crazy. Like, this is a really, like, this dude is really, like, etching his name as like the best player in the NBA right now. Like, like if they go on to win the title, which I think they will, like he is going to have strong consideration to because who would you say the best player is? Giannis, maybe. Well, Giannis went out to this Heat team, and I think Jokic is gonna do gonna do damage to this Heat team. And then you already talked about a guy who has two MVPs. You if he wins the title, he'll more than likely have a finals MVP or definitely a championship. And you got LeBron, Curry, those guys are, you know, Durant, they're like on the back end of their career. You, right. The ascending players, some of them are still too young, the Anthony Edwards and the, the Shea Gilgis or whatever, Wimby, you know. And then you got the guys who are who's running the league, which I would say is the Giannis. Well, Joker does a lot of the things Giannis does. A lot of it he does better. And then he's right. obviously better than Tatum, you know. And then who, who's – that was like, who's Luca? He's better than Luca. So it's like, oh, this dude is this dude is carving out one hell of a resume uh, that that has him that could see him at the top of the league as the best player in the league going into next season. Even I mean, a lot, some people I heard Jim Rome on TV on the radio the other day says he already thinks he's the best player in the NBA. So and it's gonna be hard to argue him not being the best player in the NBA after this playoff run. And I, and I think if they if they win this finals and win this championship, I, I, I think you have to literally say, like, he's up there top number one or top three of the players in the league right now. Um, yeah. And I think, more, I think more than anything, too, when I when I look at Jokic, it's almost kind of like, you know, he's going to score. But which one would you rather limit? Would you rather limit his scoring or his passing? And that might seem crazy to most, but it's like, dude, sometimes – I think he hurts you more with his ability to pass out of doubles and like, 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 yes, he's gonna get those. He, he, he can. We know that he's not gonna be stopped from getting on an average night, 30, 35. We know that. 
Hey, with the 12 he, boards. He's, he's always going to rebound, too. He's always going to yeah. rebound. But like you said, it's yeah. when he gets in those triple-double territories, when he's like, like you said, 30 with, you know, 14 boards and those 12 assists. Those 12 assists. Hey. Those be the dag. Those be the killers. Those because be the killers, because when you get – No, no, go ahead. Because when you get Aaron Gordon getting 20 points or Michael Porter hitting four threes or KCP hitting five or, you know, four or five threes, or, and then, or if Murray gets going, if both him and Murray are going at the same time, I mean, just you know, it was good night. You know, it's curtains because there's nothing. There's nothing you can do when they play a style of basketball. Honestly, there's really nothing you as a team can do. It's just whether they're gonna, whether they have a bad night or not. You know what I mean? Like it's nothing. Like I was watching Jamal Murray just completely dissect the Lakers, right? And then the Lakers finally get him bottled up just for the Joker to come in the second half and just like, all right, it's time for me to. And, and, and then he, we would go ahead and end it, like in the game. And it's like, oh. and and then when, when he's playing well, he's getting wide open shots, wide open basket cuts by dudes like Bruce Brown and Michael Porter filling his stuff because he's getting open shots and knocking them down. KCP's hitting open shots. Like, it's just, like, I mean, they are handful. Now, what I, I want to ask you this, Wilton, because I, I, I did talk about this on my on my on one of my shows. The way the Joker, his trajectory, right? Like, dude is only like 28, and he's already right. got two MVPs. Now he's got a finals appearance. And say he wins it this year. I think we could be talking about a dude, and, and there's no reason to think that he's not, he's going to be any worse next year. Right. Like, we're going to be talking about a guy that's going, that's going for that best, like, foreign player title. Like, you got, like, the Kim Olajuwon, I think, is one. You got Dirk, and then him and Giannis are like the next two guys, right? And if right. you start itching towards that top foreign player uh, title next to that Hakeem Olajuwon stuff, you're talking about a top ten player all time. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're talking about. So what, what do you think about that? Do you think Jokic is, is itching towards that top ten ranking all time? It sounds crazy to say, but you look at his resume and it's like hmm, it's not. It's not that crazy. Yeah, it, when you when you look at his resume, it's not that crazy. I think that for me, I think that he for sure has to get this title first before yeah, before yes, start yes. the conversation. That, yeah, the, obviously, yes, yeah, yeah. Like like I feel like the MVPs, like okay, you know, that's the Knicks. That's been the Knicks check mark on like okay, you you have this. You've been the most valuable player twice. Okay, we know you can do that. We know you can score. We know what you mean to Denver. But when you're talking about like you said being in the top players the top 10 of all time like you have like you almost have to win that championship for me yeah. to even con to, to consider that and then oh, no yeah absolutely yeah and then for, for me after that now this is just my preference i want to know can you do it again now you know oh, have yeah. there been the players that have have gotten you know have been that we've considered the best of all time that have won one championship or two championships or don't have as many championships say like lebron or jordan i mean well yeah but for someone like like Jokic, in my mind, as I'm still learning and watching him grow as a player and cultivating his game over time, I think I would want to see him do it again. Then I could probably firmly state that this is a top 10, top 15 player of all time. Because he's yeah, definitely no, absolutely. a case for, for that right now. No, yeah, I, I think – now obviously, all of this is contingent on them winning a title this year. Like, oh. this this conversation – if Jimmy Butler and the Heat end up winning the title, then, yeah, we, we could just scrap this part from the – you know, cut – you know, scrap this part from the podcast. Like, we ain't got – we ain't got – 
But it's contingent on him, them winning the title, him winning finals MVP. This is all a, just a big what if. Right. I mean, we're talking, I mean, dude, it, I mean, he's putting it. And, and obviously you're projecting that he can stay at this level for the next at least four years. Right. Like he's got to continue to put up this level of production. And as of now, there's no reason to think that he can't because the the beautiful thing about his game and what will help his game age gracefully, like we seen like a Dirk Nowinski or whatever, is the fact that he's not a very athletic guy. He's like a more below the rim guy. See, the guys that we see kind of take a just a complete tumble are smaller dudes who are very athletic. And once you start to lose some of that athleticism, your game kind of goes with it, right? When Jokic being a seven-footer and being really, like, not unathletic, I mean, he probably couldn't jump over a credit card flat. You know what I mean? Like, with with him playing that style of game, it's like, yo, why wouldn't he be? He's not going to shrink. You know what I mean? Like, he's not going to shrink. He's not just going to forget how to shoot. I mean, because he can shoot like crazy. And his style of play, you can do that for right. 12, 15 years and be just fine. And so it's like, yo, and he plays a style of play, has a style of play. But other guys want to go be there because he's not really – he's not ball dominant. He's not He's not an attention seeker. He doesn't have to take 30 shots a game. Like, he, like his, his stat line is really based off the flow of the game. And it's like, yo, people don't want to go play with that. And that's why I'm like, mm, his stuff looking real nice. Like his stuff looking like it could, it could get up there really quick. And and with him already having the MVPs to to his name, we had a Finals MVP this year at age 28. He start his stuff starting to look real real good. To look at at, at Jokic and what he's doing, like it's incredible. Uh, honestly, I have them like like you kind of mentioned as well. I have them beating Miami in the NBA Finals. Um, some people are saying it's a sweep. Some are saying five. I think it'll honestly be six in six games. Mm. I, I, I yeah. think that it would be six. What about you? Man, I think, I, I like, really, Miami is Miami is a really good team, right? Mm. And they're, they're, they're the best coach. They have the best coach, I think, in the whole entire NBA. I think Spo is the best coach in the league. I think he continues to prove it year in and year out. Uh, with LeBron, without LeBron, with Wade, without Wade, like, dude, just gets just gets it done. Like, I don't know. Every year we're talking about this scrappy team in Miami for whatever reason, and the one common denominator they always have is Eric Spolstra. So they're going to be well coached. It's not going to be for the lack of effort or coaching. I just think Denver's talented. I think Denver is is just an avalanche uh, of a team. They, they just put it on teams. They put it on players. And it's just tough, man. I don't know if Miami has enough. Uh, I don't know if Miami has enough scoring because Denver can score from so many different ways, so many different players. Like I said, the Bruce Brown, one of the biggest additions is offseason, man. It's coming to fruition in the playoffs was getting Bruce Brown from Brooklyn. I mean, this dude has been unbelievable in the playoffs. And then their stars play their stars. Jamal Murray is 100% healthy now. Like, it took about two years for him to get back where he's at, and he's back and he's better than ever. The Joker is better than ever. And now you're adding guys like Bruce Brown. You're getting healthy contributions from Aaron Gordon. You're getting Michael Porter Jr., who at one point was the number one player in high school, was a lot of, you know, a high first-round pick. You're getting him to play like that? This is a heck of a team to beat. We're going to switch gears real quick. We're going to get into some HBCU 
news and information and before i get you out of here but man we had the time last year of like some really interesting jackson state football um you know just hbcu football in general and like i said you you you've been covering it over the last couple years and for me a lot of people may not know like i kind of grew up in hbcu world country or whatever because okay in jackson having gone around Jackson State and, and been around Jackson State. My mom used to work at Jackson State. Okay. Uh, so it wasn't just like a, hey, you know, Dion's here and, you know, here's Yeah, it wasn't a fly-by-night thing for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> no, like this was, this was an introduction to, like, my love for sports, period, like HBCU sports. So I wanted to ask you this. Um, how different do you think things will be beyond, like, you know, okay, you know, Jackson State is getting recruits, you know, Southern getting recruits, Grambling getting recruits, you know, X's and O's, coaches, all that's going to come down to where it comes down to on the actual field. But in terms yeah. of the nature of HBCU sports next year, how do you feel like it'll be viewed amongst, you know, compared to where it was over the last two years? Well, it won't get nationally, it won't get the same pub. I mean, simply because Deion Sanders is a mountain. Right, you know, I talk about mountain movers. Like he is a mountain. Just imagine Mount Everest being dropped in Jackson, Mississippi. That's what it was when Deion Sanders was there. And now we're seeing that same mountain be moved to Colorado. I mean, Colorado's experiencing things they've never experienced, let alone since even when they were good, they weren't getting this type of pub. So that's the type of guy that you've now, you know, that's now being removed from that space and moved on to other things. But what I do think is taking place, one thing that – so nationally, I don't think like ESPN and all that stuff, like nationally, they're not going to be hoarding all the Jackson State games like they were last year. Uh, but what I do see happening more so in a, in a social space or social media space is that a lot more people are engaged with what's taking place with HBCU sports, whether it's for good or for bad. I, don't, I mean, all of it's not good. I'm not going to act like it's all good. But when you yeah. get a guy – like a Des Bryant commenting on HBCU football. Like Des Bryant wasn't thinking about HBCU football two years ago, three years ago. You know what I'm saying? When you get different people talking about that space and what's taking place there and and, and guys like Ed Reed potentially trying to get in and, and Marshall Falk has been interested in certain things, like that is where I think we continue to see it coming. Now, whether you want that, whether you're a HBCU traditionalist or not, whether you want that is, is – to be determined because some people like you, Wilton, or, or maybe your family or whoever is like, yo, we don't want the circus. Like the circus was cool for while I was there, but right. now we're, we're, we want to get back to more of our thing because when you do reach some spaces you've never been before, you get opinions that you've never had before. You get takes that you've never heard before. You get people saying things that just have never been said before, right? And a lot of it being wrong. Right. I, I talk about all the time, man, on my show that HBCU, this is why I love it so much and I'll never leave no matter what. But right. HBCU football, it, for it, specifically football, because that's what Dion shined a light on. HBCU football, a lot of times, is, is a microcosm for black people in this country. And so when you see some of the negative takes that you see from people that just have no clue what they're talking about, it's, they, they're saying that. One, because they some of them heard, you know, somebody led them astray, you know, said some stuff that just wasn't accurate. And you nobody, you know, some, yeah. And two, that's generally how they feel about black people in general. You know, oh, he said they were stealing money. Well, they had to be stealing money. You know why? Because it's the black school. 
Oh, he yeah. said they wasn't treating them right. You know, of course they wouldn't treat them right. You know why? Because it was the black school. Now, when there's real other schools out here really stealing money, are really not treating people right, well, it's hard for you to fathom that because it's this big, prestigious, you know, whatever kind of school. It's not the black college. And right. so that's why I'm always quick to defend uh, not just Jackson State, but any HBCU or any conf- HBCU conference in that world, in that space, because I still have right that that don't know what the heck is going on and now that i've been privileged and been blessed to be in this space it's like ah, that's not actually how it works like that's not actually how you know because a lot of people don't know if you're not from mississippi or louisiana or you know some parts of texas or some parts of florida you you won't know in my in my city of louisville they don't know everything they just know what they heard Dion say, or they know what they heard somebody around Dion say, and it's like ah, okay i get that because the public at large is going to run with what he says. But in reality, this is what happened. In reality, this is how it goes down. And so in the grand scheme of things, I think that the, the space is in a better spot than it was. Uh, and I think what it did do with some of the negative pub that took place, it just brought everybody tighter, right? Like, and how I put it is, with this, and it definitely grew. And this is how it grew. This is how I kind of use the example that HBCU football has grown tremendously over the last two years. Say if, let's just use a nice round number like a million people. Say if a million new eyeballs over the last two to three years, a million new people were introduced to the SWAC or HBCU football or the Celebration Bowl or the MEAC or whatever. Over the last two years, a million people were introduced to it just based off the fact of the national publicity that was getting. Now, when Dion leaves, some of those eyeballs are going to leave naturally. Like they're going to grab it, move on to whether it's Colorado or back to their regular schedule program. They're no longer interested or whatever. Say if it's if it's fifty percent, right? Or even if it's let's just sixty percent, seventy percent, eighty percent, right? Ninety percent. But say if it's it's not that high. But say even if it's still that high, that's still a hundred thousand. Even if it was ninety percent, that's still a hundred thousand people that aren't leaving. And typically right. when you get a million new something, only even if it's 50% it's a high number of people that move on. So say right. if it's just 50%, well, now you still have 500,000 new people who are interested and invested. Because once you get sucked in, especially if you're a black person, once you get sucked in and you go down the rabbit hole that is HBCU sports or HBCUs, period, don't just got to be necessarily sports. And you learn about the history of a Jackson State. And you learn about the history of a fam, you an all-corner, Grambling or whatever. And then... Obviously, you, you're there for the football, but you get the pageantry that oh. is the bands. You get the pageantry that is the fans, the yep. people. You go to one of the games and see the tailgates. And when I went to Jackson State game for the first time and saw the tailgate, they told me it was only 70%. That's it. It was only 70%. I was like, yo, I've been black my entire life. I've been to literally thousands of football games. I've literally been to th- or sporting events, rather. Thousands of sporting events, just as a media member, as a fan, as a whatever. I've yeah. never seen nothing like that. And they're telling me it's only 70%. What the hell does it look like when it's 100%? I'm looking at something I ain't never seen before ever in my life. You get what I'm saying? So it was, um, it, it was it's 500,000 people just like me. And what those people typically do, especially if you go to the actual game and experience it, whether it's a celebration ball or a, a home game for one of these teams, what do you do when you go to something you ain't never seen before that's just dope, lit, and, and it's just all you? You tell people, like, yo, like I went to this game, we gotta go. So I went, well, so I came, well, I went to Jackson by myself, 
and came back to my family, then the celebration bar, I go there with my dad. And then the next time I go there with my woman and now homecoming, I'll be there with like my parents. Right. Like, so like, cause they're like, yo, how is this place so dope? They're like, what, what do you mean? I'm 50 years old. I feel like I've been to everything. Like, nah, you ain't been to this. <laughs> like, you ain't been to this. You done been a lot. You ain't experienced this. So you got to experience it. And that is what I, that is what I have, I have seen take place. Uh, because Dion was there, more people will have been exposed to it. Obviously, some of them have moved on, but even more have stuck around and have continued to grow the thing, whether it's naturally or via social media or whatever. And that's the beautiful thing about it in the, in the end. You mentioned you have been to some, some different tailgates. When you came to Jackson, what was something that you noticed in the tailgate that really stuck out to you? That's the first part. And was it any specific food that you had in Jackson that you just know that the next time you come to Jackson, you got to have this? Yeah, man. So <laughs> so I, so now I've been fortunate to go to Jackson twice. And so the tailgate is just it's like the ultimate black experience. So I'm very proud about being black. Like, yeah. I, like I'm pro black. B1 is what I say. You, like the first thing you notice about anybody about me, you're going to notice that I'm a black man. So like and then you'll figure out politics, affiliation or whatever after that. But like so Jackson State, the, and, and the thing was, I went for the SWAC championship game and it was kind of rainy a little bit and mm -hmm. and it was after Dion had already said he was going to Colorado so that's why they were telling me like between the game being on TV the rain and the kind of disappointment or sadness them going to Colorado is why they told me it was only about 70 percent but it was just like the ultimate black experience I've never seen that many like the way I explained it I've never seen that many grills radios and RVs in one spot in my life like ever like when it and like I've been to like a bunch of, you know, big PWI games, right? So like even if I do see a lot of, you know, a lot of grills that don't smell the same. If I see a lot of radios that I'm not listening to the same music, right? right. If I see like the the you know, I, it just it felt like a big family reunion or something. Bro. Like it was sick, right? I was just like, yo, this is this is like I said, I've never seen anything like this before in my life. And then when it came to food, now the food at the tailgate, everybody's food is just fire. So I don't want to like I can't <laughs> name one person, right? Like, everybody's food was dope. But when it came like to just food in Jackson, I had my first trip there. I had a Stamps burger. Oh yeah, gotta, I, gotta I, have a Stamps burger. Stamps crazy. <laughs> stamps is so crazy. Like I I couldn't finish it. Like Stamps won. Stamps, oh, yeah. won, stamps is one to know against me. I'm like, oh, yo, I'm that was crazy. Yeah. Yeah, so like, and that was just a single. They was trying to get doubles and more than that. No, no, I had the single with a small fry, which was about a two x fry to me. But it was like it was crazy. And then the second time I went back, when I went back, I had my lady went with, with me, and we went to Johnny T's, and yep. they have like some kind of seafood platter thing. It's like got, it's got crab claw. I never heard of a crab claw in my life, right? Like I didn't know that was a thing. Best thing I've ever had in my life was a crab claw. <laughs> they had seafood like hush puppies and crab claws and all kinds of stuff in this thing. Man, Johnny T's know what they're doing over there. So, yeah, between the Stan's Burger and, and Johnny T's seafood platter, can't go wrong. Can't go wrong at all. It, it, Jackson it's, it's, got some best food I've ever had in my life. Johnny T's is undefeated. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Especially with them crab claws. We're still, oh, yeah. we still talking about them crab claws. <laughs> But sure, considering that you, you've been to quite a few HBCU sporting events now, now you've been to Jackson, uh, 
the HBCU bands, if you had to give your top, mm. what top three would they be? And 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 what rationale for order would you put them in? Number one, people, the Jackson people get mad at me all the time, but number one is is Southern. Southern's got the best band I ever heard in my life. Like Southern's band is just they're, they're just sick, man. I like I like the pageantry that they have. I like all the, the, the sound, the, the song selection, all of it's so sick. So Southern's number one. Yeah. The Sonic Boom's number two. And I really like the Sonic Boom, uh, a boom because obviously the sound, the swag, all of that stuff, but I really like their drum majors. The Sonic Boom drum majors are like just outstanding. They're they're so they're number two, Southern's number one, and then the marching one hundred at FAMU, I think is number three. So that's my top three. Uh uh, and you know, I'm leaving some people off, you know, the craft band, Tennessee State, I like them a lot. Uh, I like what Grambling got going on. But those three, Southern, GSU, and FAMU are my, are my top three. If you could list one HBCU player that you've had the privilege of watching, maybe more so from like your early, the earlier parts of your life, maybe not so much now, but the earlier parts of your life, uh, which HBCU player would you deem the best from the earlier from the earlier years of your life. Well, I I always knew like of the the old legends like the Stevie Nairs and the Jerry Rices, but right when the Celebration Bowl came to TV, Tariq Cohen, Tariq yeah, Cohen oh. was like the first guy to kind of like almost reintroduce me to HBCU football. Tariq Cohen and the Celebration Bowl was on ABC, and so I'm like, right. yo. And then Tariq Cohen went on to have a really good NFL career before getting hurt. But Tariq Cohen at North Carolina A and T. Yeah, he was it. Like he, I, I didn't know about Tariq Cohen like in college at all until I saw him on the stage at Celebration Bowl. And then you go back, you know, go through the YouTube rabbit hole. And I was like, yo, this dude is sick. And then he gets to the NFL and does his thing at the NFL level. So Tariq Cohen was like one of the earlier first people around that 2015, 2016 area that I was like, yo, like kind of like reintroduced me to HBCU football. You know, ultimately before. Then I went to Jackson. So Tariq Cohen was a is was and still is a freaking beast. So yeah, I like Tariq Cohen a lot earlier. Well, Jeff, it has been a truly a pleasure to have you on the show, man. I know you are busy and you also have a show. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about that as well? Yeah, man. So my it's got the Victory Formation Sports Show. It's on Jeff Lighty Jr. YouTube. I always say YouTube, Facebook, wherever you get your podcast. We talk a lot of the swag, MEAC. I've had a bunch of coaches, you know all throughout mainly cover football mainly college football but uh, i talk a lot about what's going on in the swag really starting to pick up on some of my MEAC stuff since i've had the pleasure to talk to a few of their coaches uh, damon wilson at morgan state dawson odoms in north uh norfolk and uh coach over at howard uh, so i've had some good MEAC coaches on have hugh jackson from grambling talk to some guys over at jackson state they you know they they're really good people over there so yeah the uh raymond woody from bethune cookman and so, yeah, we, we talk a lot of SWAC stuff. It's kind of a dead period right now. You know, got the offseason going, but soon enough we'll have SWAC Media Days in July and the MEAC Media Days there about after and, and get ramp up until we're under 100 days from football season. So I can't wait till that comes back because that's the busiest time of the year, both for me and I'm sure for you too as well. Stay tuned for the next episode of the Red Diamond Report podcast. Until then, make sure to follow the podcast on Instagram at the RDR Report. And follow me on Twitter at Wilton Reports and on Instagram at Wilton Reports underscore.